nothing? Like when something goes on, seriously, I got to deal with this? And so if you remember the first week, the first seriously that we looked at was, seriously, I got to deal with an imperfect family. I got to deal with a dysfunctional family. I got to deal with all these issues, these relationships, and all of this stuff. Are you serious? And then the next week, last week, we looked at this issue of, seriously, adversity? Seriously, in life, I got to deal with adversity. I got to deal, deal with difficulty. I never get to the point to where I'm out, to where I'm so spiritually mature that I'm never going to have adversity or challenges in my life. And this week, it's going to be really, really, well, personal. And we're going to look at this issue. Seriously, I got to deal with sexual temptation. Seriously, I never get to the point that I am so close to God, so spiritual, that I'm no longer tempted? Seriously? Are you telling me that sexual temptation is going to be a part of my life? Uh, this, this last week, uh, Chad led worship and some of our band members led worship for a, a state convention with a bunch of pastors. And so uh, all of us pastors were sitting around talking in between sessions and things. And one pastor told a funny story about uh, in his church, they have the connect cards like we do. And you write your prayer request on and dump them in the box and, and they pray for them. And so this one pastor says, I got the funniest prayer request, guys. He said, I had this young boy and his prayer request was this. Says, uh, this little boy writes and he says, please pray for my brother. He wets the bed. Then he says, please pray for me. I share a bed with my brother. <laughs> but you know what? That's a lot like us, and that's a lot like our prayers. There's a lot of our prayers that we pray those same prayers. Please pray for my wife. Please pray for my husband that they'll stop doing whatever they're doing, that they'll make some changes in their life. Or please pray for my daughter. Please pray for, for my friend because I've got to deal with the consequences. I mean, don't you have prayers like that? Like where you pray for an individual and pray for them and say, God, please give them the courage. Please give them the strength. Please help them to stop. And please pray for me. Because I'm the one dealing with the circumstances. I'm the one dealing with their decisions and their actions. And so we do that a lot in life. And today we come to a section of Scripture when Joseph is attempted or tempted to have an affair with Potiphar's wife and let me just let me just tell you and let me just hopefully help you understand the intent of this talk this morning the intent of this talk is not to give anyone guilt and not to give anyone condemnation if that's a part of your past whether you were the one that committed the act or whether you were the one that dealt with the consequences that's your past and I don't look at you as a second-class citizen, and I don't look at you as a failure, and God doesn't either. And that can be your past, and you can be forgiven of that, but it doesn't have to be part of your future. And so this morning, really and truly, what I'm going to try to help you is to understand the temptation and understand how to, how to deal with it. You see, there's a group of pastors here a while back and, and some counselors that came up with a list. They came up with, with 12 steps to an affair. 
12 steps of affair that they have seen in their experience. They have seen ministering to people and dealing with people. And uh, you know what? Brady Boyd is the one that I first heard this list from. So I want to give Brady credit for that this morning. I didn't come up with this list. He's the one that kind of put this together. But let me tell you, this isn't in your notes. If you're, if you're taking notes, uh, you'll need to write this down. If you're not taking notes, you'll need to write this down. I believe this is that important. And then we're going to walk through Joseph's life because you need to be able to recognize the, si the signs. You need to be able to understand what, what Scripture talks. And so here we go. The first one is this. The first step to an adulterous affair is something makes you lean away from your marriage. Something causes you to lean away from your marriage. It could be a, it could be a health problem. It can be a job problem. It can be a schedule problem. It can be a difficult season of marriage to where your schedules don't match up. You don't really, you may be in conflict over some decisions. Listen, let me stop right here. Let me, so you understand this. Marriage is not neutral. You are either leaning into your marriage or you are leaning away from your marriage. And you need to understand that. The first thing that can happen, the first step, is to where you can go through a difficult season of marriage, a difficult season of life, and something causes you to lean away from your marriage. The second one is this, an awareness of another person. Now, that's not that casual glance that you see another person, they're really nice looking, you go, yay, God, way to go, God, you know, that type of deal. <laughs> that's not that. Here's what that is. An awareness of another person is way deeper than that. When you go, Wonder what it'd be like to be with them. Wonder what it'd be like to be their wife, to be her husband. I bet you he would treat me totally different than how I'm being treated. I bet you she would listen to me and talk to me Awareness of another person is when you start thinking in your mind, what would it be like? What would it be like? The third step is this. Innocent meetings. They open the door to flirting. It's to where those innocent meetings you can, you, you can have in your job, you can have in your profession, you can have in your career. Uh, it can be a board that you serve on. It can be a community thing. It can be an organization that you're involved in. Being even in church. But it's those innocent meetings to where, where it just kind of opens the door to build a relationship. It opens the door to, to flirting. It opens the door to all sorts of different things. And then the, 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 the fourth one is this, is meetings become intentional and planned by one of the individuals. In other words, all of a sudden now the, the meetings are being premeditated. The meetings all of a sudden someone's, it's intentional. You're thinking of reasons why to go by their office or why to stop by their desk or why to, to meet with them or, or why to give them a call on the phone. And, and then here's the, the fifth one. When in a group sitting, setting, the two people linger together in conversation. I mean, you're, you're in this group, and, but it's really not like you're in a group because it's just kind of you and her, and you're having this, this conversation. And even when the group, even when the group breaks up, you're still there lingering in, in conversation. And then number six, and this is so deadly and so misunderstood, the danger of it, conversations turn to feelings. To where start bearing your heart and your soul to someone of the opposite sex that is not your husband or, or wife. 
and you start sharing feelings. Let me tell you, when that happens, you, you're, you're opening the door wide open. There is only one person, if you're married, of the opposite sex that you should be sharing your feelings and intimate thoughts and hurts and pains and desires to, and that is your spouse. Why do you think it is that so many people that have affairs say words and statements like, nobody understands me like they do. Nobody relates to me like they do. Well, of course, you quit sharing your feelings to a husband or to a wife, and now you're, listen, an emotional affair is much more difficult many times to break than the physical affair because someone has touched you emotionally and you feel like they understand you and they know you seven two people have meetings under disguise of a legitimate purpose to where now you're 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 saying hey let's meet so we can talk about business or you know and, and so it's like a minute of business it could have been solved over the phone and then you move quickly to feelings and to emotions and to conversation Number eight, the two people have isolated meetings for pleasure. Now you're, now you're just having isolated meetings for pleasure, not in a group and not with a group of people, not even under the disguise of business. It is now for pleasures to share your feelings and share your emotions and, and enjoy one another. And then nine through 11 move very quickly. Embraces become affectionate and playful touching is involved to where there's hugs and lingering hugs and the patting and the touching and the teasing. and Verse, verse, uh, verse uh, number 10, passionate embracing. Number 11, adultery happens. And number 12, always happens the affair becomes public reputations are destroyed proverbs 5 7 through 10 tells us that the cost is high financially professionally you can it, you it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and it can be destroyed in a moment and there's some believers that feel like, you know what, I am so mature that I can resist, that I, I can get as close to that as I can and I will not fall. But 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he falls. If you're here this morning and think, you know what, that will never happen to me. You're at risk. You need to understand that some of the strongest, the wisest, the purest men of the Old Testament fell in this area. Solomon, the wisest. He fell in this area. Samson was the strongest. He fell in this area. David, a man after God's own heart, he was pure. And he fell in this area. And so this issue of sexual temptation, we all, I know it's uncomfortable to talk about in church, but the church needs to be willing to speak into this because the world is speaking into this 24-7. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Let's walk through Joseph's life together. And I have four principles for you this morning. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of, of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, 
had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. So it had been 10 years. That's where we, we dropped off of, of, of Joseph's life when his brothers threw him in the pit and then drug him out of the pit and sold him as a, into slavery, into Egypt, and all that other stuff. It had been 10 years, 10 years of, of, of pain, 10 years of hurt. He had lost his dad. He had lost his family. He had lost his self-image. He had lost his career. He had lost his home. He had lost everything dear to him. And so all of a sudden, things are beginning to turn around, it looks like, for Joseph. The first principle is this. Temptation is common for every believer. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, other verses tell us that guess what? Temptation is common. It's common for every believer. It's something that every one of us has to deal with. Verse 2, watch this. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he had become a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. And so Joseph is beginning to be promoted to a position of great significance. His career is turning around. And remember I told you when we started this series out together, life is lived in the tension of the bad and the good all at the same time. That there can be some things that are going on in your life that are really good. And there can be some things going on in your life that are really difficult, really hurtful, really painful, all at the same time. The same was true in Joseph's life. He was, he was in prison and he lost his family and lost his career and lost all this. And that was difficult and that was hurtful. But guess what? The good, the Lord was with him. His career is turning around. His profession is turning around. He's getting one promotion right after the other. Verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him. Listen, Joseph was not a nominal Christian. Nobody had to guess at the office with the guys. Nobody had to guess in the community if Joseph was a believer or not a believer. Joseph was not a nominal Christian. Joseph was not a Christian that just, just worshipped on Sunday or just worshipped on Saturday. No, Joseph worshipped in his home, and Joseph worshipped in the office in his career, and everybody knew. They were able to look into Joseph's life and say, you're not like us. I mean, listen, if you want to make a difference in life, then you have to be different. You have to live different, and you cannot be like everybody else, and you cannot be like the world, and Joseph was that kind of a guy. And so his boss saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Listen, you want God's blessing on your life? Sexual purity is a part of that. Honoring God sexually and honoring God with your life is a part of his blessing on your life. And Joseph's boss saw that the Lord was with Joseph and all that he did, the relationships that he had, he was blessed. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. And so this is a huge turning point in Joseph's life. And God is blessing his life. And many times in Scripture and many times in life, the greatest temptations will come after the greatest blessings and celebrations in your life. When everything's going good, something about that, maybe we let our guard down. I don't know. Remember with Jesus? When Satan came to tempt him, after he prayed and fasted for 40 days, temptation is normal for every believer. You cannot control the thoughts that maybe come into your mind, but Corinthians tells us you can take captive of those thoughts. 
You cannot control the thoughts that come into your mind, but you can control how long they stay there. You can control how long they lodge there. You know, one man once said that your, your mind is like a clerk of a hotel. You cannot control who comes in, but you can control who gets a room. You may not be able to control the thoughts that come into your mind, but you can control how long they, they stay there. I mean, listen, eventually, you will, cross, you will come across someone who seems to be more exciting, more attractive than your spouse. Eventually, you can come across someone that may seem easier to live with, different, whatever, at that moment. But when that happens, do not think your marriage is over. Do not think you have married the wrong person. Do not think that you've made a huge mistake. Those are thoughts that may come into your mind, but they do not have to lodge there. You see, righteousness does not lie in the absence of temptation, but it lies in your resistance to it. You know, people say all the time, the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, and that's true, but it still has to be mowed. <laughs> Sometimes we forget that, right? Irma Bombeck said this, said, grass always is greener over the septic tank. And sometimes we look just at the circumstances. We just look on the surface. But beneath that surface, there's a whole lot of stuff we do not want to deal with. There's a whole lot of stuff that we cannot see. Sexual temptation is normal for every believer. The second thing is this, is that sexual temptation is always defeated by running. Now, this is just an interesting principle in, in, in Scripture. And so Scripture talks a lot about temptation. And, and Scripture gives other ways or different ways to deal with temptation. But in the case of sexual temptation, Scripture always gives flee, run. I mean, in Timothy, Paul told Timothy, flee from the youthful lust of your past or, or your youth. In, in, in Corinthians, the scripture said, flee or run or get away from, from fornication. And, but, but other temptations in scripture, there's other prescriptions given. Like the scripture will tell us, just resist the devil and he will flee. Just put on the full armor of God and, and stand firm or stand firm in the faith or defend the faith. Except in the area of sexual temptation. It is the only temptation that scripture says, flee, run, get as far away from it, that you cannot flee, you cannot resist it by getting as close as you can to it. And see, most Christians, you know, last week we talked about adversity, and, and most Christians, just in my estimation, overestimate their ability to cope with temptation, and they underestimate their ability to cope or to deal with adversity. You hear people all the time say, I don't know how she goes through that. I don't know how they deal with cancer. I don't know how they deal with the death. I don't think I could, I don't think I could ever deal with that. And you can because God will give you the grace. And then they say, temptation, I could handle that. And you can't. 
Now, look, at, look at the steps Joseph took, verse 6. So he left all he had in Joseph's charge, Pharaoh's talking, and, or, or Pharaoh, and, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. And, but Pharaoh trusted just, uh, Joseph. Pharaoh put him in charge. He's the number two guy. He's, he, he wasn't even doing a counting of the books. He totally trusted him. And now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And so, in other words, Joseph was, was, was nice looking. And Joseph had this charisma or this personality to where Joseph, wherever he went, he was always someone's favorite. He was his dad's favorite. Uh, he, uh, he was Pharaoh's favorite. He was the warden's favorite. And unfortunately, he's Pharaoh's wife's favorite. But he had one of these personalities that he had charisma, and when he walked into the room, he gave the room energy. He was one of those types of guys that everybody wanted to talk to, that he could tell a joke and he could make people laugh, and he just had this outgoing personality. Verse 7, watch this. And after a time... Now, Scripture does not tell us how long Joseph had been in the house. Scripture does not tell us how many chance meetings they had, how many conversations they had. Maybe Joseph was naive. I mean, obviously we know in Scripture that he was naive as a child. He was naive to, to where he didn't really realize how hurtful it was to his brothers when he wore the coat, reminding them that he was dad's favorite. He was naive to the fact about every time that he told his dreams to his brothers, that it brought them anger. He should have been. They the scripture says they couldn't they hated him they couldn't speak a peaceful word about him so maybe joseph maybe joseph was naive to what was going on and verse 7 and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on joseph and said to me lie with me i mean now she's going to the the direct approach and so obviously they had a relationship Obviously that he was in charge of the house and she lived in the house along with the servants and the staff and everyone else. And, and I'll just tell you this as a pastor. Affairs usually start out as friends. Affairs usually start out whether, whether it's someone that you work with and you develop a relationship with. Whether it's a friend of the family, friend of a husband, friend of a wife to where affairs generally, usually, and I understand there's exceptions, but they generally start out as, as friends. And so verse 8, but Joseph refused. It's a strong word in the Hebrew. I mean, he refused and said uh, to his master's wife, behold, because of, of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except for you. Why? Because you're his wife. You're, his, you're married. We live in a time when marriage is no longer really honored. Some people say it's just a legal thing, it's just a piece of paper. And I would tell you it is much more than that. It's a spiritual thing. It's a covenant. It's totally different. Don't cheapen marriage by saying it's just a piece of paper. 
It's just a legal thing. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I mean, I think Potiphar's wife was, was shocked, shocked him. I mean, because it's harder to say no to a stranger than it is to say someone that you, you know, to have a relationship with. Joseph, 27 years old, living in the house and abstinent from sex. I mean, if he lived in our culture, Joseph would say like many people do in our culture, you don't know my past. I was raised in a hurtful, dysfunctional family. I had a dad that indulged me. I was his favorite. My dad never withhold, held anything from me. Anything I wanted, I got. You don't understand my past. Uh, my mom died when I was 11 years old. I didn't have anyone to teach me how to treat a woman. I didn't have anyone to teach me. I didn't even get to see what a marriage was like. Man, you don't understand the hurt and the pain that I went through. I had brothers. My brothers hated me. They talked about me. My brothers tried to kill me. Remember that? They tried to kill me. And because of my brothers and because of their actions, man, I, I've gone through hurt and pain. I, you don't understand my past. I can't help myself. This is just who I am. This is just a part of it. Listen, if you continue to blame your past, you will never heal. You will never make the decisions. And you will always, if you're going to live life blaming your past or blaming people around you, you will never stand firm in your life and you will never stand pure in your life. And Joseph said no for two reasons. One, he said no out of respect for a friend, out of respect for his master, out of respect for his boss. His boss loved him. His boss is the one that took him out of prison, that made him the number two guy. They said, Joseph, I trust you. They had a relationship you can have anything in my house but my wife. See, the most selfish act a person can do is an affair. Because they've got to disregard all the hurt and the pain and the drama they're going to bring to everybody around them. Because it becomes all about them. When you are tempted to, to have an affair... Would you remember the people that you will hurt? Step number 12 always happens. Affairs will always become public. It may take years. We watch it play out in sports almost every week of our life, unfortunately. In my office, with people in my office, I have walked with families through suicides, through death, through terminal illness, through losing a job. None of those compare of the hurt and the pain that is brought to a spouse than when someone chooses to have an affair. I've had people in my office confess an affair with me sitting there to their spouse. Their spouse and I heard it for the first time. I have watched men and women deep, deep sobs 
I've watched people almost hyperventilate. I've almost had to call 911 once to get paramedics there just to try to help someone catch their breath and deal with it. I'm telling you, I have walked through with tragedy with families, and I'm telling you, nothing brings more hurt, more pain, more destruction than this issue when someone decides and makes the decision. It's all about them. And so Joseph said no out of respect for a friend and out of respect for his, an earthly master, but he said no also. And this is the one a lot of times we ignore. He said no out of respect to God. See, a lot of times when people get into this, we think, hey, it's just kind of horizontal, and it's just between me and her or me and him and, and, and its people. And no. It's much deeper than that. That's why Joseph said, he said, how then can I do such a wicked thing in sin against God? See, Joseph realized that, you know what? This is a sin against the God in heaven that redeemed me, that adopted me, that forgave me who is worthy of my love and my respect because of what he's done for me. In verse 10, and he says, and so she spoke to Joseph day after day. This woman's relentless. Sexual temptation is relentless. That's why the only way to, 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 to re resist it is not by standing, but it's by running, it's by fleeing. And he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. People do not leave the straight path, usually, suddenly. It's an innocent relationship. It's an innocent conversation. It may seem innocent. And then it moves to lunch. It's your guy friends or it's your girlfriends, even though you're in a marriage. Which should never happen. And then something happens. People say all the time, how can that happen suddenly? It very seldom does happen suddenly. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, you know what, I, I think I'm going to have a fair today and I'm going to destroy my life, my family, my reputations, what my kids think of me, what my wife, what my husband thinks of me, what people think of me. And Potiphar's wife is obviously saying, well, you may have said no, but... Can we still be friends? No. No. I mean, you got that, right? I mean, it's what it says in the Greek. No. Because if you linger, you will fall. Please hear me. If you linger, you will fall. And it won't end well for you. It may mean you have to change jobs. Change jobs. It may mean you have to be transferred to another department. It may mean you have to move. It may mean that, yes, you may even have to change churches. But at least you may make that change, but you will still have your integrity and your reputation and in your life. If you linger, I promise you, you'll fall. Verse 11, but one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house, uh-oh. You think that was an accident? 
It wasn't Veterans Day or President's Day or Memorial Day. It wasn't a holiday. She's desperate because if you linger, you will fall. Verse 12, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left her garment in, in her hand and fled and got out of the house. This is the second coat that he's lost. <laughs> what is wrong with him? But each, each represents something. Remember the first coat represented his approval. And this coat represents his reputation. Watch this. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, and by the way, most theologians believe that she had very little on and what was happening, she was undressing him as she made the proposition, fled out of the house, and she called to the men of her household, and she said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He, he came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out, and he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. And there comes a time in sexual temptation. No more conversation. No more text messages. No more phone calls. No more meetings. There comes a time. When you have to flee, when you have to run, can, can, you, you, just a second, don't miss this. And she called, uh, and she called to the men of her household and said to them, see that, he has, see that he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. This is just for free. You know what she's doing? She's blaming her husband. It's my husband's fault. He's the one that brought Joseph into the house. He's the one that picked Joseph. He's the one that told Joseph that I'm not going to look over your shoulder. I'm not, I trust you. You realize that a lot of times when affairs happen, the one that committed the act blames the innocent spouse. It's your fault. You didn't talk to me. You don't understand me. You don't meet my needs. You're not exciting enough. Don't take that. Three. Righteousness does not always produce immediate rewards. Righteousness does not always... I, I, I wish I could tell you that immediate rewards come when you make the right decision. Then he, watch this, then she laid up his garment by her until, the, until his master came home and, and she told him the same story saying, this Hebrew servant whom you brought among us. Okay, so she's blaming him. And, and came in to laugh at me, but as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment uh, beside me and fled out of the house. And as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke again, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Je Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. So back to prison he goes. Are you kidding me? He made a righteous decision. He made the right decision. I wish I could tell you. You make the right decision, you will be blessed the next day. 
The same is true. You make the wrong decision doesn't mean you'll have consequences the next day. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. And I don't think Potiphar believed this for a, a second. This offense that Joseph did to Potiphar's wife was punishable by death. It, it, it would be legal for Potiphar to put Joseph to death, but he didn't. He put him in prison. Why? Because he didn't believe his wife. He saw through it because he saw that God's hand was on Joseph. He knew. He knew Joseph. He knew who he was. And he knew who his wife was. And he knew who his wife was, what his wife was capable of. Being wrong does not mean that you'll be punished the next day and being right does not mean that you're going to be treated right the next day. Resistance to sexual temptation is usually not followed by renewed romance in a marriage or Prince Charming to come and save you the next day. For a period of time, you may go through a difficult season of marriage. For a, for a period of time, you may be alone. For a period of time, you may wonder if you did the right thing. For a period of time, you may be like Joseph and feel like you're imprisoned or, or trapped. But can I just tell you this? Sin has a way of destroying people and lives and reputations. I mean, we're watching Hall of Fame career of Brett Favre, 289 football stars, Hall of Fame player, highly respected. And because of what's coming out in the news, people are talking that his career is going to be tarnished. Proverbs 5, 7 through 10 says the cost of an affair is high. The last thing is this, is righteousness will eventually reap rewards. It may not be the next day. It may not be the next month. But I can tell you this. Righteousness, doing the right thing, will eventually reap rewards. The Lord was with Joseph prior to temptation. The Lord was with Joseph during temptation. And the Lord was with Joseph after temptation. The Lord was with him. Yeah, Joseph may have lost a job. Joseph may have lost a coat. Joseph may have lost a career. Joseph may have lost freedom. Joseph may have gone back to prison. Joseph obviously lost his reputation because she's out there trashing his reputation and says, said it was him. He's the one that tried to do this to me. But the one thing that he did not lose, which sometimes we don't value enough, he did not lose the presence of God on his life. He lost everything else. But he did not lose the presence of God on his life because he knew he is worthy. 
He is worth following. He is worth following regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the results, regardless of what comes my way. He and he alone is worthy. It can hardly be accidental. Read it for yourself. Go all the way through the book of Genesis. Only one man, it's only said of one man that he was full of the Holy Spirit and his name is Joseph Because he valued, he valued God's hand and God's blessing and God's presence on my life. And God was with Joseph in prison. Watch this, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord's still with him. Yeah, he went through a difficult circumstance. Yeah, he went through some crummy stuff. But the Lord is with Joseph and God showed him steadfast love. And God gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, he succeeded. God's blessing in your life and God's blessing in my life is tied to sexual purity. And honoring with our bodies and honoring with our life, regardless of what the world tells you. And Joseph didn't reap rewards for the right decision the next day. But I'm telling you what, just wait to see how the story ends in his life. And he never lost the presence of God. Would you bow your heads with me? And what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning? I know this is an emotional, personal message. You may be going through temptation right now. Some of you this morning, you need to accept him. You need to enter into a relationship with him for the very first time. You may need, just like Chad said earlier, you need to realize that he is worthy and he is worthy to be followed. And you need to follow him. You may be in a situation right now, a relationship, and you're dealing with temptation and God is telling you to flee, God is telling you to run, God is telling you to separate. And you need to trust him. You know what? You may need to make a commitment to lean into your marriage right now. You may need to whisper in someone's ear, your husband or wife next to you, and say, I'm making a commitment. I'm going to lean into our marriage. We're going to date again. We're going to fall in love again. We're going to talk again. I'm going to lean into my marriage. You may need to learn to forgive. need to learn to forgive someone that's fallen in this area some of you here this morning you've done the right thing and you're waiting to reap a blessing 
And maybe you just need to be reminded that he will bless you. At the end of every service, we pray for one another. It's just something we do here. It's a biblical command. It comes out of Galatians. Bear one another's burdens. So this morning, we want to pray for you like we do after every service. If, if you're going through a difficult time in your life, if you need to accept him, if you need to come back to God, if you've gotten a bad report from a doctor, if you've gotten bad news, maybe you're even trying to make a great decision in your life, which way to go or what decision to make. We want to pray for you. And so in just a few moments, we're going to all stand together. And as we stand, our leaders are going to be here at the front. And I'm just going to ask you, would you just step out, whether it's the center aisle, the outer aisles, make your way down here and have someone just, just pray for you. You don't have to be a member of Fellowship of the Rockies to come for prayer. You don't need to be embarrassed because others will be coming with you because we all, every one of us needs prayer. So in just a few minutes when we stand, you step out, you make your way down here. There'll be leaders down here. Others will be coming with you. So please, 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 we want to pray for you. Father, we thank you for your love. Father, we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for forgiveness. Father, I ask you to give people the courage to trust you with their life, that you are worthy. I ask this morning that you pull everyone close to you and that people would receive prayer and encouragement and support this morning. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.